Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, is this the week when the pattern for markets and our household finances is set for the winter ahead? Big news is expected from the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England and the UK government that will reset the mood. We'll look ahead to what's in store. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. The events of the past two weeks have meant that the usual flow of economic news has been held up, but this is the week when it all comes flooding back. Announcements of higher interest rates are expected on both sides of the Atlantic, while here in the UK the new Prime Minister will set out tax and spending plans on Friday that will have a material impact on our monthly finances. To talk over what may be in store, I'm joined by Fidelity Investment Director Tom Stevenson. Tom, welcome along. Um, Let's start, shall we, with central banks. And uh, we know that the Fed and the Bank of England have been raising rates in their attempts to reduce the inflationary pressures going on in the economy right now. What can we expect this week? Well, what we can expect, first of all, is, is a really big week for, for central banks. And it, and it shouldn't have been quite this intense because, uh, as you alluded to uh, in the intro there, the uh, the Bank of England was due to uh, announce uh, uh, its rate hike last week. But of course, it was, it was postponed um, because of other events. So this week, we've got uh, the big one. We've got the Federal Reserve. Um, uh, announcing uh, a hike in interest rates, which is expected to be um, uh, a third consecutive um, uh, hike of three quarters of a percentage point. There is an outside chance that it might be a bit more than that. And I think the reason for that is that we had some inflation data last week in, in America, which was a bit um, punchier than, than, than people expected. Uh, so I think the pressure is on uh, the Fed to, to, to keep the pressure up on interest rates. We may get a one percentage point hike, which is, which is quite something. We've actually already had a one percentage point hike this morning from the Swedish uh, central bank. Um, uh, which is uh, a smaller one that I, that I actually wasn't even expecting. And there are a lot of central banks. So in addition to the Fed this week, the other big ones are the Bank of England and the Bank of Japan, both of which are uh, expected to make announcements uh, on on Thursday. Bank of England uh, will almost certainly raise interest rates, probably by half a percentage point. The Bank of Japan is the outlier in all of this because uh, the Bank of Japan continues with its um, policy of keeping um, uh, monetary policy very, very loose. Um, it doesn't have the same inflation problem that the rest of the world has, uh, and it does have a growth problem. So they will probably keep rates uh, at rock bottom. And uh, there's bound to be some kind of market reaction to all this. Now, we know that um, markets in general don't like uh, interest rate rises, but of course, it's possible that a lot of this is priced in. But I'm wondering how much has been priced in this time round, Tom. We know that markets have been delicately balanced over the summer. They regained a lot of ground in the first part of the summer, and they've given uh, quite a bit of that back just recently. Um, I guess the market is going to be watching not just for changes in borrowing costs and interest rates, but the commentary and the noise that central bankers are making around this so that they can form a better opinion of the outlook for interest rates, because that, I guess, is what's going to determine market levels. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, interest rates are, you know, a key uh, component, a key contributor to the conversation around where markets uh, should be heading at the moment. And the problem is that the um, the, the playing field keeps keeps changing. Um, you know, I mean, you only have to go back six months or so ago, and we were saying, oh, you know, a, a couple of 
a couple of uh, rate hikes in the in, in America, and that will be it. And and as time has gone by, and inflation has become more entrenched, the expectation about how far interest rates go and how long they stay there uh, keeps changing. So you're right to say it's not just about the announcement itself, about the the numbers, but it's about the the conversation around that, the uh, the the commentary that that goes with that, and and indeed in the US. Uh, uh, this um, the, this month, we will see uh, the publication of the so-called dot plots, which is this indication of where individual rate setters see interest rates going, and that's always a that's always a really good in, indication of where interest rates are are heading. Um, and the expectation at the moment is that U.S. interest rates, which are currently between two and a quarter and two and a half percent, the expectation is that they will. Um, keep rising until they peak at about 4.4% uh, in the spring. So, you know, within the next six months, we're going to see probably another two percentage points of uh, rise in 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 the US uh, interest rate. So it's been a very dramatic and very quick change in monetary policy from essentially zero interest rates to, you know, historically, I mean, not super high by historical standards, mm. but by by recent history, pretty, pretty tight policy. Yeah. And, and, and you've written this week, Tom, about how uh, different financial markets are, are sort of view, viewing the current situation. And you seem to suggest that the, the bond markets and the stock markets might not be in exactly the same place in terms of their outlook for monetary tightening and what's likely to happen. So can you explain that a bit more? Yes, well, I think you know the the two are the, the two are closely related, and um, you know the, the the stock market moves in response to movements in um, uh, in in the bond market, and cleverer people than I can sort of draw <laughs> connections between the two and say, well, look, with with bond yields at this level, you would expect the stock market to be valued yeah. at, at this level, and they are saying slightly different things at the moment um, uh, on the basis of of uh, bond yields as they are at the moment, you would expect all other things being equal, the stock market to be a bit lower than it is. And 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 what the experts are saying is that uh, the S and P five hundred, which is currently about three thousand eight hundred, probably should a fair price for that should be about three thousand five hundred. So, you know, we may be looking at another ten percent or so uh, decline in the U.S. stock market before this. Um, uh, this bear market, uh, if you like, is over. Because remember, at the start of the year, the S and P five hundred was priced at four thousand eight hundred. So that's a fair, that's a pretty significant uh, decline. And you know, obviously, it reflects a um, a determination by the Federal Reserve to squeeze out inflation. You know, really, whatever the economic cost is, they are prepared to drive the U.S. economy close to recession. They don't want to send it into recession, but they're prepared to take that risk in order to get on top of inflation. And, and what signs, Tom, are there, if any, that this action by central banks is having an effect on on inflationary pressures? Because that's the point of it. That's what we all um, you know, theorise is, is, is at play here. Uh, we've got interest rate rises coming in the UK. Now in the UK, there was actually a slight, slight edging back of the headline inflation rate um, for last month. Um, that came through in the last week or so. What are the signs that the plan is working? Well, I mean, I, th- I think that the, the signs are not, you know, completely compelling um, <laughs> um, because inflation is proving to be pretty sticky on both sides of, of, of the, the Atlantic. And 
in a way that is to be expected um, because, as we know, the cause of inflation is not something that is necessarily going to be uh, affected by a rise in, in interest rates. If, if, the, if the inflationary problem was a result of people, you know, having too much money to spend and, and, and mm. a very hot economy, um, then raising interest rates would definitely be the right approach. Um, uh, when, when the cause is rising energy costs, which is what the current uh, inflationary driver uh, is, it's less certain that raising interest rates is the right approach. The problem for a central bank is that it's really o the only approach that they have. So they've yeah. got to do it. Um, but the risk is that they raise interest rates um, into a recession or they drive us into a recession with uh, raising interest rates. Yeah, and, and, and monetary policy, which is the actions of central banks and you know controlling the, va the value or the, the cost of borrowing, that's one element in this sort of inflationary equation. But there's another element as well, which is the fiscal policy of governments. That has an effect on how much money is left in people's pockets, of course, as well. Now, this week on Friday, we're going to get a, uh, what are we calling it, a fiscal event? Yes, I that's think what it's been called, event. yep. Um, and that means there's going to be news on, on tax levels and spending. What's happening, first of all, Tom, on Friday? Well, the background to this, of course, is that we have um, a change of prime minister. And um, uh, Liz Truss is, the, is the, the new prime minister after, as we know, a long um, leadership contest uh, over the summer. Uh, now, only two days into the job, of course, everything was put on hold uh, because of the death of the Queen. Uh, and we had the 10-day the, 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 the mourning period, which is now finished. And so we're kind of back, back to normal. And so now... Uh, this is now Liz Truss's uh, week, if you like, to start implementing some of the things that she promised over the summer. And the key thing that she promised over the summer uh, was tax cuts. So she sees tax cuts as being the solution to the, the cost of, of living uh, crisis because she, she, she believes that if you cut taxes, it puts more money into people's pockets and that will offset the, the, the rising cost, cost of energy. Now, there, there's a there are big question marks over whether this is the, the correct approach. But what we'll see on Friday is the first down payment, if you like, on uh, her tax cutting agenda. Um, and we're likely to see um, measures on a number of fronts. Uh, she's likely to reverse uh, a proposed increase in national insurance. Uh, she is likely to um, to stop um, the proposed increase in corporation tax from 19% to 25%. And there's a question mark over this one, but it's possible that she may choose to start her premiership with a bang uh, and actually reduce the level of income tax, maybe by one percentage point on the basic rate. That would be, um, that would be a pretty forceful statement of intent about, about taxes on her part. Yeah, and it's... It's really interesting this whole this whole discussion because the, in more normal time, more normal economic times, there would be an argument about whether low taxation leads to higher growth. Exactly when it might do that, what the best point is, you know, what the sort of optimum level of tax is for the for the economy to grow, but also for the government to be able to pay for all the things that we want it to pay for. That's sort of one argument, and that's one lens through which this is being seen. But we also have this inflationary question as well. Yeah. So we have the the, the dynamic of more demand, more money being left in people's pockets, actually being an inflationary 
factor because yeah. that adds simply to demand in the economy. Yeah. When, for example, the Bank of England is saying, well, actually, we're very happy to take demand out of the economy via higher interest rates because we're worried about an inflationary spiral. It's really, it's really difficult to disaggregate all of this, and it's hard to see that everything's pointed in what, well, it's hard to see what the primary economic aim of overall policy is right now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, thanks for bringing me back to that because it's really important. This this divergence in or apparent divergence in policy between the government on the one hand and the Bank of England on the other, because what they are both proposing um, actually pull in different directions. Um, tax cuts, as you say, put more money in people's pockets. They are a stimulus to the economy. That is inflationary. What the Bank of England is trying to do is the reverse. It's trying to take away the punch bowl to reduce uh, demand uh, in the economy in order to reduce inflation. The two are pulling in different directions. And you know, it, you can reasonably say that that's not a very coherent, coordinated uh, uh, approach. And um, it will be very interesting to see how that resolves itself. Because, you know, all other things being equal, if the government is stimulating the economy, it makes the Bank of England's job harder to get on top of inflation. And it probably means that they will have to raise interest rates further and to keep them high for longer than they would otherwise have had to do. Yeah, I was going to say, mention this, you know, I think if you if you read the uh, central bankers and NPC members, they always get out there into public environments to sort of you know, to sort of communicate to, to markets and to the public ahead of these big announcements. And one of the things they've been saying, particularly post the um, energy package that was put out there by the government, it, it sort of said, well, the job is still the same, but it changes the the timelines of everything because the, the, the cap on energy prices that we've seen, that might actually help reduce inflation for a, for a period, but it means that there's going to be more money in people's pockets a bit further out. Mm. And that's going to perhaps mean that the bank's inflation forecasts are higher in the sort of medium term. So Mm. it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what the bank says about this and when we eventually get forecasts from people like the OBR, the IFS, what they say about it and what it's going to do to the economy. Yes, uh, you're right to talk about the timescales because in the short term, uh, what the government is proposing to put a cap on people's energy bills uh, is uh, is likely to reduce inflation in the in the short term. Longer term, it's likely to have the opposite impact. And as you say, later in the autumn, uh, when we have a full budget um, with the benefit of um, figures from uh, from the Office of Budget Responsibility, uh, we will start to see what the economists think the impact of the tax cuts will be on the inflation rate going forward. Yeah, and we're going to get a, a row on Friday, aren't we? I mean, we're always going to get row after something like a, like a budget or a fiscal event, whatever we want to call it. Um, but the, the argument this time is going to be how exactly this giveaway, if that's what we get, is going to be paid for. Um, people have spoken about taxes on industry to, to help pay for this. The government looks, it feels as though it's just going to put it onto borrowing. Now, that sort of puts greater distance between the cost and the public, if you see what I mean. It's it's a very abstract thing to say to the public, well, you know, bond deals are going to rise and all the rest of it. But you can see, or can you see, uh, a more immediate effect in something like the value of the pound? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it... it uh 
it, it is completely tangible and, and relevant to to people if the markets start to lose confidence in the ability of uh, the authorities to to control this situation. And, and we are seeing the impact of that in the level of the pound. The pound is is now at its lowest level against the dollar since 1985, um, nearly nearly 40 years since we had a, a pound at its current level of, of, a, of a dollar 14. And what that is saying is that the markets are questioning just how the government is going to manage the public finances and pay for this largesse uh, in the long run. And, and they're sceptical. And the other, the other area where the scepticism shows up, of course, is in the bond market because bond yields rise because investors demand uh, greater compensation for lending money to a government which over which they have question marks. And of course, um, a, a weaker pound versus other currencies means that we can, what they what they say, import inflation because our pounds go less far overseas. And so prices rise for that reason as well. Yes, that's absolutely right. A, a, a weak currency is inflationary uh, in an economy which imports uh, uh, a lot of its stuff. And of course, that is the case in, in the UK. It's not just the UK, actually. I mean, there's a similar thing going on in uh, Japan at the moment, where, uh, as we've discussed, interest rates are being kept very low. That is suppressing the value of the yen. Um, and indeed, that's a problem in, in Japan because Japan um, imports a lot of its energy and it imports a lot of its food. And so that's pushing up prices there. OK, well, Tom, it sounds like it's going to be a big week and there's a lot to keep an eye on by the sounds of it. Thanks so much for coming in to explain it all. And that's it for now. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. You've been listening to the Money Talk podcast. Check fidelity.co.uk for daily written updates and articles on these and other topics from across Fidelity in the UK. And subscribe via iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every week. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.